Lord's Prayer just isn't a beautiful prayer to give us comfort. It is, in fact, a way to live. It's the way. It's Jesus' way. If we want to know what the Christian life is all about, just look at what Jesus taught us to pray. So we're in a series called The Way, looking at the Lord's Prayer. Thanks for joining us. When Jesus was walking around with his disciples, you can read the story of Jesus in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. In Matthew and Luke, his disciples made a request. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Or other translations would put it more in a question form. How should we pray? And then Jesus gives us what we call the Lord's Prayer. Makes sense. Even if you don't know a lot about faith or religion, you've probably heard this prayer before. It's been set to music. I mean, these words have become a familiar thing for us. It's part of our faith tradition to pray it every week, to pray it together, and to pray it out loud. It's become one of the standard things we teach our children at Sunday school or when we pray with them at night. It's a prayer that we've sort of taken on to be you know, a prayer of comfort, a prayer of encouragement. As a pastor, this prayer is often requested at most funerals that I do. Some folks may not know what scripture they want read or really what to say in those moments, but they say, Pastor, can we pray the Our Father or can we pray the Lord's Prayer? That's what we do. Why? Because it is comfort. It is beauty. It's power. Well, what happened? The reason we got these words is because the disciples came and they wanted to know something from Jesus. And while the scripture would say they want to know how to pray, look, in the first century tradition and in the rabbinical tradition, when a rabbi would be asked to pray, it was a way of the disciples asking, what do you believe? What are you about? So when they say, teach us to pray, they prayed. They know how to pray. They saw Jesus going and praying by himself. When they say, teach us to pray, and Jesus gives us his prayer, what I'm going to encourage us to think about in the next several weeks is that this isn't just a prayer. It's a way. In fact, it's the way. This is how we are called to live as those who believe. You can go to Google. You can go to different church websites, and they have belief statements. People ask me, what does your church believe? And so, you know, you can go here, you can go there, read about other church websites. This is what we believe, and it's a tab, and most of the time it's poorly written. As United Methodist, right, you ask us, and what do we believe? We put, like, books, encyclopedias, the discipline, the book of resolutions. So just read it, and the social principles, and we stack it all up. You know, that gives you a sense of our denomination. <laughs> okay, like we're going to do that. In Jesus' tradition, it was simply this. It was, teach us to pray. What do you believe? And different rabbis would do different things. Their prayers would differ. People would know this because they prayed out loud in those days. Most of the time when we pray, it's internal. We close our eyes, we bow our heads, we fold our hands. In Jesus' day, it was all external. So you would know what a rabbi believed by what they would pray out loud. And so they say, Jesus, lay it on the line for us. And this is what it is. We call that the Lord's Prayer. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be unpacking this bit by bit. I think it's important, though, to take it sort of step at a time because we don't want to miss some of the real radical and powerful things in this Lord's Prayer. I don't know if 
you've ever considered what we actually pray, but it's a moment not just of spiritual centering as we reflect, you know, we memorize it, and you can read the words on the screen in worship, or but if you look closer, these words are these words are radical, powerful images of what's really happening. Have you ever considered what really happens when we say these things? So I want to unpack that a little bit for us. Do you really know what you're praying for? The good news is, today at the very beginning, Jesus sets up how we are to live, and that is to approach God not just in prayer, but in the way that we live on certain types of terms and ways. I would encourage you to the image that we have that Jesus gives us as the image of the Father. Remember, it begins, you should pray like this, Our Father, who art in heaven. Our language is imperfect in trying to capture things like this because we're finite. So when we try to take our finite language to describe the infinite, we're going to fall a little bit short at times. And so sometimes people critique the image of the Father. Why? I think we could probably understand it's because we've had bad experiences. But certainly you and I know that we can step beyond this. Because Jesus isn't talking about God as a dude. God as a man. We need to get past this God in a long robe, long beard type of image. I think most of us, we understand this. We're willing to step beyond God just being sort of a dude. So what happens? Is that when we look at this term of father, as much as we critique it, why don't we critique the other images of God? Like God as potter or God as shepherd. We're cool with those. This is what God's trying to do in this moment. Jesus is trying, what he's trying to do is say that when you and I approach God, we need to begin to live our life to come to God in a relational type of way. So the image of father is the image of family, of relationship. And in the midst of what might be broken in our human relationships comes a God that wants to be known through relationship. The most powerful word that I think we struggle with the most is not the Father language. It's the very first word in the Lord's Prayer. It's the hour. It's the hour part of the prayer. We can't even get in the Lord's Prayer without unpacking that word for a minute. Come on. Because when I pray, or the way I want to live my life, is that it's God and, and me. We're like on the same page. We have this reality that God tends to bless all the things that I want to do. And God wants to listen to what I want to say. And God needs to line up within my certain frame of understanding. Yet this prayer, this way that Jesus teaches us from the very beginning, gets us out of ourselves and out of our individuality. You may pray this to yourself or right by yourself, maybe at night or in the morning. You know, tomorrow morning, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, the first word of the prayer gets you out of yourself. I'm going to pray this. I'm going to have the spiritual centering time, my devotional time. I'm going to pray the Lord's Prayer hour. Right, because in this approaching God, you have to be able to approach God not just on a relational way, but be willing to let the brothers and sisters, the, the weird ones that you don't always get along with, yes, God is their God too. The people that think differently than you. 
God might be their God as well. So when we approach God, God is not mine. God is our, our Father. And beyond the relationship stuff, because again, you may not like that, and you know, I, I don't like, you may say, I don't like to call God Father, and that's okay, that's cool. But it's not just about relationship. You need to understand about Jesus' first century world is that when you look at the Old Testament, the way that people viewed God wasn't just through the lens of relationship of parent, but God's relationship with the earth. So the language of the prophets, the language of the psalmist, which is the worship life of the people of God, always likes to remind the people that God kind of runs things. God's in charge. Now, the Greek language helps us with this. In Greek mythology, or if you've ever seen the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, there's this great term called the paterfamilias. George Clooney said it. I got news for you, in case you hadn't noticed. I wasn't hit by a train. And I have traveled many a weary mile to be back with my wife and my six daughters. Seven, Daddy. That ain't your daddy, Alvinel. Your daddy was hit by a train. Now, Penny, you stop that. No, you stop it. Vernon here's got a job. Vernon's got prospects. He's bona fide. What are you? I'll tell you what I am. I'm the paterfamilias, and you can't marry him. I can, I am, and I will. Tomorrow. I gotta think about the little Warby gals. They look to me for answers. Vernon can support them and buy them lessons on the clarinet. The only good thing you ever did for the gals was to get hit by that train. Anybody like that movie? Right. Okay, so when he says, I'm the paterfamilias, oh brother, where art thou? is actually based off of Homer's The Odyssey, Greek mythology. So it is this mythological thing where there's a father, again, not just as much about relationship. Again, it's first century world, everything there is still a little patriarchal, but this relationship is about someone who is in charge of something. So when George Clooney in that movie says, I am the paterfamilias, he's saying, I run things. I'm in charge of this. So when we pray to God, or we pray our Father, not just in the realm of relationship, we're actually naming God as the one who rules all things, who is the one who's in charge of all things. Do you remember what the psalmist said? It says, God said, the earth is my footstool. Heaven is my home. Earth is my footstool. That's why we pray to our Father in heaven. One that we approach in relationship. One that we approach and say, you're the one who runs things. We're also saying, you are outside of here. You are the ideal. We think about this when we think of heaven all the time, don't we? Heaven is the ideal. It's the perfect place. It's the place where everything's wonderful. It's a place where you drink chocolate milk all day long. Maybe we'll, we'll find out one day. But it's a wonderful place. This is what Scripture would say it's a place where there's no crying or mourning or pain. Heaven is the ideal. So we pray to the one who resides, who is the ideal, and we say, you are in charge. Now, stick with me just for a moment. I believe that it's not just a prayer of relationship, a naming of God who desires relationship with us, but I believe that when we name Father in heaven, we are in some ways crying for justice. 
Because when we look at the one who is the ideal, who is beyond us, who runs things, right? it's our way of beginning to acknowledge and say that we're going to look at the way it is right now. The way it is right now is not working. Father in heaven, right? when we name that, we're beginning to look to an ideal and we compare it with the actual. And later on in the prayer, we're going to get to the detail of this, when we pray about a kingdom that we desire to come on earth as it is in heaven. We'll get to that later. But we begin by naming this reality of saying that there is an ideal and God is the one who runs all of this stuff. So when we approach God through relationship, which is a relationship of love, but also saying, God, I look at the way that things are now. And when I name you, when I begin this prayer, I begin this way of life. But Jesus is going to say, this is how it is. This is what we believe. This is how you are called to live far beyond more than just what we're called to pray. This is how we live. Our Father in heaven, we name God as the one who runs things. Remember when God says, do you think I need a bull from your stall or a goat from your pen? I have the cattle on a thousand hills. If I were hungry, do you think I would need you to make me lunch? Do you think I need you to cook me up a cheesesteak? Which, by the way, that's not kosher. I learned that from my rabbi friend. So again, it recognizes the bigness, the holiness. We're going to get to the holiness part next week about hallowed be thy name. But the bigness, the holiness of a God who runs things. So when we pray this prayer, we're encouraged to look at how things are. Look, the reason this is a challenging prayer is that we must approach God not just by ourselves, but be willing to let God be our God, and not just mine. But also say, God, the way I've been doing things, the decisions that I've made, the way I see things now, I don't know if it fits the ideal. I don't know if that's really the way it's meant to be. This is the hardest reality that you must face in the beginning of this prayer, of this way. The way of love, the way of Jesus is this. Jesus is Jesus, and you ain't him. If you can get that, you get it all. It's one thing to understand that you're not God, to cognitively get it, it's something entirely else to then not live like it. I control, I decide, my way, my will. But when we enter this new way of living, living out the Lord's Prayer, we begin by simply just saying, Our Father in heaven. God, we come through relationship. We come to you and we say things are not right. That right now, you are the ideal. You run things, and, and I don't. If you can pray that, that you can begin this way, you can begin the way of Jesus. Let us pray. Gracious God, you've given us words, wonderful words of life. Words not just to pray, but to live. So when we remember that when we pray, we are surrounded not just by a cloud of witnesses, but we are part of a community 
that we get to pray for each other and with each other when we say these words. So help us, Lord, to recognize that we pray and live as community. Thank you for the invitation that we can know you, that you know us, and you are the ideal. Help us. We cry for your mercy, for your justice, because when we look at how things are now, when we begin to acknowledge our world as it is, we cry out to the one, to our Father in heaven. Lord, give us grace to pray and to live in such a way. In your name we pray. Amen. In this COVID-19 world, we have all had to learn how to adjust and just do things differently. I know it's probably been a challenge for a lot of us trying to transition into this sort of digital church online format. So thank you for connecting with us every week and watching, tuning in. And I would encourage you, we want to make the best decision for our church and for our community. So we may have to kind of keep doing this online church thing for a while, but here's the good news. We feel that digital community is still community. It's still a way for people to engage and to discover who we are as a church. So I would encourage you to keep checking us out online. And when it is safe and available for us to gather again in person, that we'll be ready and we'll make the best decision. But I want to encourage you, we're still the church. So I want you to check us out at trinitymulcahill.org forward slash next steps to continue to get more information about how we're the church in this COVID-19 time.